0: Well, we are back here on another beautiful day, and we're actually recording this Friday night, so hopefully by the time this is uploaded it'll be Saturday, and we'll be back in the world of NASCAR news, and speaking of NASCAR news, it's been a bit crazy, uh, last week we, we went with an interview uh, from Landing Castle instead of regular news, so, today we're back recording, we're not in studio unfortunately, uh, that's probably why you'll notice a drop in mic quality, I'm using a personal microphone and not the professional studio mic. However, we are back and another episode of Bottled Up, this is the twelve twenty-one recording to be released on twelve twenty two. so we're going to call this the Christmas episode because it's as close to Christmas as you're going to get. Maybe you'll get a Christmas gift of an interview dropped, but I only get so many hours of Uh, hours of content that I can upload for a week. So we'll see. Maybe, maybe not. I don't know. But in the world of NASCAR news, it's been a crazy one. It's been a really, really crazy one. Uh, Matt Weaver took about a week off a little while ago, so he had a nice vacation. So he wasn't reporting on things. And boy, did he miss a lot. Let me just say that. The first thing uh, that comes to mind is Ross Chastain's sponsor for last season, and I believe projected for this season, uh, DC Solar has been raided by the FBI. And the rumor around the block is that it's tax issues. I can't confirm that. Um, Nobody's really saying much of anything. However, tax issues is the rumor on DC Solar. It's not known if they're going to sponsor a car for next year, so that would impact primarily Ross Chastain and Kyle Larson. It, uh, I believe there were multiple papers, vehicles, everything else. See, so that would make sense that the the money that came in was being used for illicit purposes, not not anything illegal, but just the money given to them by the government wasn't being used for what they said it was. So they might have been putting it into NASCAR sponsorships, for example, but nobody knows. Again, that's unconfirmed. However, we're not going to speculate that's not what this is about. You know, we don't sit here and, and say maybe this, maybe that. This is an issue that's currently developing and will continue to develop. And as soon as we get a solid answer, I'll be sure to let you know everyone know about it here on the Bottled Up Podcast. I hope everyone's having a great vacation. I hope everyone is on vacation at this point. We're coming up close to Christmas. And going back, we're going to think about the year in general and what a year in NASCAR it was. This was the year of dominance when nobody really expected it. Kevin Harvick has always been a fantastic driver, but he's never really had a season quite like this one in recent memory. Stuart Haas Racing was very, very good this year. And it really came down to a Ford versus, Ford versus Toyota battle, excuse me, for the championship and really the you know, for the manufacturer championship and everything else. It ended up being a Ford winning with Joey Logano and kind of the the underdog, I would say. One win uh, at Martinsville. Actually, he might have had a win earlier in the season. Now I have to fact check that. I actually just do my recordings all in one big chunk. So if I made a mistake there, please excuse me. But Joey Logano uh, was the champion, as I'm sure everyone knows. So that's, that's one way to start this season recap is start at the end of it. But... Thinking about it, thinking about the past year, it was quite a year for, for me on a, on a personal level where I started up this podcast. I've had the radio show for a while, but now we're moving on to a podcast, and it's it's interesting. It's certainly something new, certainly something I never expected, and I never, ever, ever expected to be a NASCAR credential journalist a year after starting the show as essentially a freelance journalist is what I, is what I like to say, where I, I'm not really working... I'm not paid by anyone for the content I produce. I produce it on my own accord and, you know, make it for people to listen to, and maybe five years from now I'll be able to say, well, yeah, this was what I did. I've been I know a lot about NASCAR, and five years ago I was I was making this podcast. I would talk about NASCAR relevant things and all that. Again, that's speculation. That's not what I'm here for. But in this season, again, Kevin Harvick really broke out, not someone I was expecting to have seven wins, or as many as he did even, you know. Granted, that came with a lot of controversy, and this was the first time in a while I remember this much controversy over the rules. Of, you know, and there were a lot of rule changes as well, and that brings me to another point with Hattori Racing. They won the championship in the Truck Series, and they kind of had the wool thrown over their eyes uh, by NASCAR when they just sort of said, oh yeah, no, you're changing engines. And that was it. No notice beforehand. Really not much time to prepare. It was just, you're changing engines. You can't use that engine anymore. And what do they do? They go out and they win the championship. But going back to my point with Kevin Harvick, I keep I keep going off and I'm trying to loop it back now to Kevin. Um, I had the chance to talk to him at... The uh, Foxwoods Resort Casino, when they announced the Foxwoods 301 at New Hampshire Motor Speedway. I also had the chance to talk to him after uh, his win at New Hampshire Motor Speedway in the media center. And as great of a driver he is, you have to ask yourself, why was he flagged more for penalties than anyone else? And the first thought that comes to mind on that would be, well, he was cheating. Which, granted, may be true. Cheating is a loosely thrown around word in this scenario where cheating is adjusting the rear spoiler you know those spoilers are given to the drivers by nascar and not given to the drivers but given to the teams by nascar and are not to be adjusted and this one was an inch off an entire inch off that's that's a big adjustment you had the rear brace in the uh, window at the second third race of the season during the uh, west coast suite that rear brace failed and it was giving him a lot of extra downforce and a couple extra miles an hour on the straightaway. And you have to think about that, where those cars are incredibly, pres, you know, pres, <laughs> I can't speak, precision machined vehicles. It's everything on those cars. And in my interview with Corey LaJoy, where I had him on the show, I asked him about this directly. I said, do you think this was accidental? And he said, I'm not going to speculate on behalf of their team. But there is nothing on those cars that isn't built to fail. That isn't, you know, if it fails, it's built to fail. If it's not right, then it was built to not be right. And I'm paraphrasing Corey, of course. But at the same time, it makes you wonder. That's someone who knows the ins and outs of this industry. He was a crew chief for a uh, K&N team. And he actually won a couple races that way. He was asked by Chad Knows to be the crew chief. Uh, or car chief, excuse me, car chief of one of the junior motorsports cars a couple of years ago. And he said, well, I'm I'm kind of banking on this driving thing. And I guess it worked out for him pretty well. However, he knows this inside and out. And if he's going to come out and say there's nothing on those cars that fails, that wasn't built to fail, something like that, you know, absolutely. I think it might have been intentional. That's kind of a big red flag. You have to wonder what extent that these crew chiefs will go to to win, and rightfully, you know, rightfully so. Everybody wants to win one of those races. For my team back at Purdue, uh, that that I run for my dorm, we'll do anything to win. Granted, I'm, I guess I'm the exception where I, we've been offered ways to to take advantage of unwritten rules, but I haven't jumped on them, and maybe that's a shame on me as a crew chief. That can be another. That can be a whole other podcast episode but it really makes you think those guys are desperate to win because this is their entire life's work and they love racing as much as the fans do if not more what extent are they going to what extent is Rodney Childress going to to win races from the box you know Cole Pern what is, what extent is he going to you have to wonder and I'm not saying they're cheaters I'm I'm doing everything I can not to call them cheaters however if there's a rule that's not written they're gonna take advantage of it. It's just like Ray Evernham with uh, the Jeff Gordon's most famous car. He was 1.1 seconds faster than the rest of the field. Absolutely dominant. And after going out and showing off that car and the speed it had, he was called into the president of NASCAR's office. And this is a story that I, I've, you know, heard. I believe it was NBC that published it. In an interview with Ray, they asked him what happened in that meeting, and he said, "I was given a phone and I was told call your boss." And he said that car's illegal. And Ray said, No, no, that's that's not it at all. You know, it just passed inspection and everything else. And he said, Well, that car will be illegal by tomorrow morning. Go, go, call your boss. So, what extent? It's a good thing to wonder about what extent these crew chiefs are going to to push the limit, push the line, and take advantage of the rules. One incident, one incident that excuse me that comes to mind is during the All-Star race a couple of years ago, where they tried a different uh, compound, a tire compound. And I distinctly remember the rules where you had to put all four tires on at the same time. And everyone wasn't really sure about this compound. It was faster, but it would wear out a lot quicker. And they weren't really sure what to do. And the rule was all four had to go on at the same time. So what did the crew chief of Clint Boyer's car do? He put all four on at the same time. He went out and he ran a couple laps. Next time he came down pit road, he pulled the left sides off and put the regular tires on. Granted, it didn't work, but just think about that. To, to sit and analyze the rulebook and understand it to that extent, where you can confidently go out and and, and pull something like that. I not mean, pull something like that, but to make a gutsy call like that to try and win, it shows to what extent these crew chiefs are going to. So, Kevin Harvick. Cheater? No. Pushing the limit? Yeah, Absolutely. And are they pushing it knowing they're breaking the rules and hoping they don't get caught? Maybe, but that's speculation. But I can certainly tell you what they are doing is if there's an unwritten rule, they're going to take full advantage of it. And rightfully so. That's what keeps racing interesting. Back when racing was first started, they had a limit for, uh, well, actually, there really wasn't a limit. You know, with the fuel line, there wasn't a limit with the length of it. There's a limit for the size of the fuel tank, but not the length of the line so i believe it was fireball roberts just had a fuel line that went back and forth back and forth back and forth underneath the car that could add so much more fuel he could go out and run for a lot longer it's things like that that pushed the sport forward made things move and and added more rules but by adding more rules you're just opening up more ways for the rules to be taken advantage of i guess so, Kevin Harvick, an absolutely dominant season. You have to wonder what was missed by NASCAR, where they caught them on certain issues with the spoiler, with the rear brace, with everything else. What did they miss? Did they miss something? You, you never really know. And it's it's fun to think about, but something we'll never really know for sure, I suppose. Another guy I want to talk about is Martin Truex Jr. He had a great season, but nowhere near the caliber that they were last year, and what what caused that? You know, you have to, it's it's interesting to think about where they were an underdog team, really arguably underfunded for a long, long time, and all of a sudden they go out and then they win the championship, and the next year they shut their doors. That says a lot about the sponsorship model, for one thing. But Martin Truex Jr. is now getting the opportunity of his lifetime to go and drive for Joe Gibbs with Cole Pern still as his crew chief. That's pretty remarkable. And it seemed like for a while his career was his career was really over. Michael Waltrip racing. They were never really stars of the field. And then he went to Furniture Row. Again, not really a single car team. Not really stars of the field. However, they grew. They worked hard. And they became champions. Martin Truex Jr. If you told me five years ago that Martin Truex Jr. Would be the 2017 champion. I probably would have laughed at you. And said, well, yeah, he's driving junk equipment. Do You really think... I'm gonna believe that. Well, here we are. Overall, this season was pretty incredible. It was one of the best seasons I've really watched in a long time, and maybe it was you know, maybe I'm biased. Maybe because now I was actually in the media center at races, I was seeing everything from behind the scenes, I made some incredible friends, Claire V. Lang, Jeff Gluck, Matt Weaver, all these all these incredible reporters that I now get to talk to and, and see on a regular basis at the track. Maybe I'm biased that this was the best year for NASCAR racing that I've seen in a while. But really, it's going it's it's going to be the best season in a, in a while, I think. I'm I'm skeptical about this package for next year. I hope I'm wrong in that this racing will be severely limited in its scope because the drivers are going to be unhappy and they don't, you know, drivers for the big teams, they want the ability to go out and lead by three or four seconds. They want to go out and just dominate races. And they hate when they get dominated, but that feeling when they are out there just running all over everybody else, that's pretty darn good, I can imagine. So it's going to be interesting. And these smaller teams, you know, uh, Starcom Racing and Rick Ware Racing, all these teams that are coming together, coming to fruition now. They they're probably loving this because now it gives them more of a fair shot, which is good. That certainly is an issue to have so many underfunded teams that are pretty much some that are just starting and park and some that are just out there fighting for 30th. It's a shame to see, you know. It would be can you imagine 40 cars fighting for the lead? How incredible that would be for racing. But that's again a whole other conversation for another time and we'll probably have it. To continue on with this year-in-review theme that I guess we've sort of developed over time, we had something really interesting and new—the Roval—and I really, genuinely believe my favorite race of the year is now the Roval. I love road course racing. I love watching it. I love short track racing, and I love flight racing. You know, I don't. I'll. I'll admit, I'm a NASCAR journalist, and I don't sit and watch 100% of atlanta i don't watch 100 percent of kansas i don't watch all that because after a while you sort of your mind starts to wander and you're like okay this is a bit repetitive it's it's just old versus well i shouldn't say old i shouldn't say it gets old it's they're unique races in their own way but at the same time there's some tracks that are more entertaining than others but when you go to the and watch the race at the roval i wasn't there personally but i really hope to be soon It is just something else entirely. It's really incredible combining a road course with an oval. And that's just a genius idea that everyone sort of scoffed at, I think. And then they did it and everyone was going, oh my gosh, that racing was unbelievable. And think about the finish. Johnson going, oh, he almost had the win. Jimmy Johnson almost won that race. You know, got into Martin Truex Jr. on the last corner, just came in too hot, but... I I genuinely believe that was some of the best racing, some of the most skilled racing I'd ever seen. And maybe, maybe, maybe it was because of the crew chiefs having to work, I guess, way more than you can call overtime. You know, that's quadruple quintuple time, the amount of effort they probably put in preparing for that race, the testing and everything else. But you have 50 years, for example, worth of notes when you go to Atlanta or Dega, or Daytona. And when you kind of have to combine a track you're used to running, Charlotte, with this road course that you've never seen before, that's something else entirely. And I think that really showed NASCAR what the fans loved. I believe that was one of the most highest, highly rated races of the year in Jeff Gluck's polls, if I remember correctly. It might have been third, if not even first. And that's really uh, makes you realize how much fans appreciate it appreciate road course racing excuse me personally i love watkins Glen. it's a fantastic race and chase Elliott got his first ever win there and again maybe i'm a bit biased for anyone that doesn't know i'm a diehard hendrick motorsports fan um i try i i i try and i think i do a good job keeping my bias separate from my journalism but you know every journalist will say well you know you can't play favorites and everything else you can still have favorites you just can't be biased in your reporting on it and i hope that doesn't come through but sometimes it might you know this podcast is like something personal that i do yeah it might come through a little bit but just really incredible racing there for chase elliott to get his first win and that also continues the recap of 2018 theme that we've got going on chase elliott zero wins in the 24 last year legendary car no wins and then three wins out of nowhere, three wins in what five weeks? I think it was. It was incredible. Wins at Dover, wins Watkins Glen, just really something else. And I I hope to see more of Chase Elliott in Victory Lane. I hope to see more Chevys in Victory Lane. They won the they came out and they won the Daytona 500, and everyone was going, okay, this is really something else. They made a great move going over to the Camaro. This is incredible. Chevy has something great. And then they didn't, and that's no diss on Chevy, but I believe they over they overestimated how much the Camaro in the Xfinity series, the data from there, would carry over to the Cup series. It's just completely different, two different, not even two different ballparks. It's two different sports. You're comparing, you know, the Boston Red Sox to I don't know the New England Patriots, and you know I get it, both Massachusetts teams. I'm from Massachusetts. I'm biased, whatever. The first two teams that came to mind for two different sports, I'm sorry. T- two champions, might I add? Just saying, Just saying. <laughs> but that's why I stay away from other sports because i'm I'm biased for the New England boys there. but it's it's just such a a wild comparison between the two. and we're we're sort of getting up there in time now. we're at about twenty minutes or so. So I'm gonna begin wrapping this up. What we have looking forward to, to next season is this new package, and it's going to be very interesting. And if you didn't, if you haven't already, I encourage you to go back and listen to my interview with Matt Weaver where we discuss this new package. Uh, I'll be talking to more drivers soon about the 2019 package. Hopefully get Corey LaJoy on to talk about it. Hopefully get Landon Castle on. I'm in the works on that. Uh, however, also looking forward to next season. We have... 30, in the 32 car, we have Corey LaJoy. He's going to be racing for GoFast Racing. An interesting story. He actually wrecked the uh, team owner's driver in the K&N race that he won at New Hampshire Motor Speedway. And the owner went over. Actually, no, he didn't win the race. Excuse me. He finished at, 13th in it. Corey finished 13th in it. But the uh, owner of what's now GoFast Racing went over to Randy LaJoy and said, Your son is never going to drive anything that I own. And a couple years later, he signed Corey LaJoy on to drive the 32, and one of the first things he did was call Randy LaJoy and say, well, I guess I lied to you at New Hampshire. I'm sorry. He's driving, driving some of my equipment. But I, I want to personally congratulate Corey on that. That's a fantastic achievement. Uh, I've met a lot of drivers in the garage area, and there is nobody that is more hardworking, down-to-earth, and just true blue-collar grit than Corey LaJoy. He didn't get here because he was rich. He didn't get here because he had millions of dollars to go into driving schools to teach him how to drive. He seriously just went out there and drove like crazy and didn't stop driving. And now here he is at the top level. And my phone just went off. Please ignore that. Siri has just gone off on something. I don't know. But so, Corey Joy, full time in the 32. Landon Castle will be full-time in the Double Zero. That's been confirmed. That's some great news for Starcom Racing. They've also moved into a new shop. They're going to have new engine builders. Starcom Racing is looking to compete for higher, higher level. I don't know if they're quite ready to go for wins. Maybe at Daytona and Talladega or road courses even. That would be quite interesting to see. But... They are moving to new engines, they're moving to a new bigger shop, and that's going to be fantastic to see. I think they were stretching their resources a bit thin by running two cars. However, that's twice as much money coming in when they finish well, So, but it's also risking twice as much money and damages. So hopefully they have a good season. I love rooting for these smaller teams, the underdogs. It's great for the sport to have smaller teams coming out and competing with the big guys. It's going to be an interesting 2019. There's no doubt about it. I'll be hopefully getting Matt Weaver's opinion on it again. I would love to have Jeff Gluck on to get his opinion on it. Come later in the season or halfway through, we'll see how it goes. Ford's going to be moving over to the new Mustang. That's going to be very interesting. If they can carry over from this season the power and just really dominance that Ford exhibited this year, I think they're in line for another championship Whether it's uh, Penske or Stuart Haas is yet to be seen, but that's going to be very interesting to see this new Mustang, how it performs out on track in its first season. It seems like these cars in their first seasons uh, struggle a bit. Example being the Camaro. Toyota was struggling for a long time, and it's just the way it is. They have to get some experience under their belts at all the tracks to see how the cars perform. It's going to be a great 2019 season. I'm looking forward to it. I hope you all continue to listen, and I hope you all enjoyed. Again, we're on iTunes, Spotify, Google Play, Buzzsprout. There's so many places you can listen to this podcast, and I want to personally thank each and every one of you for listening. This is seriously just something I, uh, I just sort of came up with on a whim, where I walked into the radio studio uh, in my dorm about a year ago, a little over a year ago, and I said, why is there a couch in this room? And from there, I've just sort of just gone with the flow and <laughs> all of a sudden a year later i'm an nascar credential journalist making a podcast for people to listen to i hope everyone has a merry christmas happy holidays and happy new year i'll be back december 29th with the new episode so right before new year and i guess we'll do a little more recapping and you'll see what we talk about then in the show once we get to it this has been bottled up on wiley radio i hope you all enjoyed